All right, this morning I want to invite you to really hear Psalm 148 as I take my time to read this. Are you ready up there? All right, here we go. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise God, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly host. Praise Him, sun. Praise Him, moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise God, you highest heavens and you waters above the, above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created. He established them forever and forever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do His bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals, all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all you nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men, young women, old men, children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. I'm going to leave this plane behind me, and it's okay to look up there instead of at me. But one of the things that happens for us city slickers is that when we get away from city life, we are hit with creation. We get away from all the noise, and we've all had this experience. You know, whether you step out and see the Estes Park uh, mountains in Colorado or a quiet stream, when we step away from all of this noise and bustle, we encounter nature, but more profoundly, we experience nature. We enter a world where everything we see is created by God and it's maintained by God. That's pretty incredible. And while all of nature, it serves us, I don't know if you realize that or not, but nature serves humanity. You know, we have oxygen to breathe, we have water to drink, the sun and the moon, they give us light. All of that, all that serving us, that is nature's secondary purpose. It has a primary function, a much more important function, and that function is to worship God. All of creation, all the time, and we get hints of it in Scripture, rocks crying out, trees of the field clapping their hand, they are here to praise God. They are a living testimony to who He is and even how He is. Just by being what nature is, it worships God. By doing what it was created to do, it applauds Him. It enjoys Him. And I'll tell you this, it is an, is an endless cycle of unending praise. And when we go out there and we see it, it astounds us. It undoes us. I mean, for me, it, I, I just step back every time and it's like, God, it's just glorious. 
And that's the feeling of Psalm 148. The psalmist has gotten away from his city lights. He's gotten away from it all. He is looking at nature. And in this moment, in the writing of this psalm, he is being blown away by everything God has made. And so what he's doing as, as he realizes that nature is enjoying God and applauding God, I believe the psalmist is like a little child, okay, who picks up a stick and he just starts playing conductor. You know, in his own way, he's just joining in. Praise him, you mountains, you hills, you sea creatures, you lights. Praise God. He's just swept into it. You know, the splendor of what God has made is just hitting him. And in this moment, he's absolutely undone. And what he's undone by and what he's saying here is that everything God has made in nature, everything in creation is in tune with its creator. And I want to make sure you hear that. All of nature, just by growing into what God has made it to be, a tree just by being a tree, a flowing stream just by being and doing exactly what God created it to, to, to do and to be, it's in tune with God. And so when we look out there, what are we seeing? We're, we're just seeing a symphony. And so here's what I want to invite you to do today. I want, I want to invite you to drink in this astounding reality, and I want to invite you to join nature in worship. I, this morning, I invite you to just shed everything about your life, okay? All the stuff that needs to be done later on, all the things that we're not sure how we're going to connect the dots. In this moment, at this new year, could we just lay all of that aside and join in with nature in the purest form of worship? Because that's what we see when we look out there. We are seeing pure worship. Would you like to do that this morning for a few minutes? Good, because you're in church and you really should not say no to that question, all right? So let me invite the worship team up front, and as I do, uh, I just, I'll also remind you that even though we've got some communion tables up front, the front is always open for worship. Um, some of us worship really well in a pew. We can stand, we can sit, the space is fine. Others of us, we feel confined by a pew. If you do, there's room, so you can explore the space today, all right? But we're going to worship for just a little bit, and um, then I'm going to come back up. But Shiloh, in order to give you a moment and your friends, I'm going to just pray and uh, just kind of set our worship time apart. Sound good? Yeah. God, we love you. And um, Father, I confess in Jesus' name that so often worship is something I do with my mouth, and um, I've had you whisper to my heart so many times when I enter into worship, Steve, you're honoring me with your lips, but your heart is far away. And Lord, that applies to all of us in, in some way. And I thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity right now to just step into worship. And so God, we, we wanna go beyond real shallow waters. And we just ask for your Holy Spirit to, to just help us remove some of the clutter and to just really lean in to what we're singing here. God, we, we, we too, we just purposefully invite our hearts to step into, these, into this living stream of worship today. Father, we just say we need your help. And God, at the end of this, may we be able to say that everything within me, just praise the Lord. God, as we, as we even 30, 45 minutes out begin to prepare for communion, God, we just ask you to make us ready to join you at the table. And we thank you that at the end of this service, we will get to celebrate um, resurrection, that a cross and a grave ended up resulting in life 
more life than we've ever known. So God, today we're just asking that church wouldn't be something we do, but that God, in this moment, we would become the church. Fill us. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We love you. We need you. We cannot do this without you. And I thank you that you've already promised to be here, to meet us, and to make this worship be something that is beautiful to you. So, uh, Lord, here we are. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you walked in late, we, we announced that um, this is the second annual communion service to just kick off the year. And so we really build the whole service around the communion table. And what we started off with was a reading of Psalm 148, which is a nature psalm. It's nature praising God. And I just made the simple point before we started that what the psalmist is saying is that all of nature is in tune with God just by being what it's created to be. And that's incredible when you stop to think about it because creation has no brain, uh, it has no soul, it has no, no heart, and yet what it offers up to God is pure worship again by being precisely what it was designed to be. And then I asked everybody, I said, why, why don't we join in with all of worship, going with that heart attitude, and let's offer up pure worship to God as a congregation. Now, here's the thing. Um, I kind of played a trick on you because I can guarantee that for most of us, if I stopped and interviewed everybody in the room, including myself, and we said, hey, how did you do? You know, how pure was it? Just about all of us would admit that it wasn't like pure, pure worship. You know, I mean, we meant it, we tried our best, but we, we, we kind of missed the mark a little bit. And um, I can explain why. And I will explain why in the following story from my family history. Um, my father, Ron Keller, when uh, he was uh, going from middle school into high school, he joined the school band and orchestra. That's the, I don't know if it's still that way, but it was band and orchestra. So my dad has to get extracurriculars because he's going to go to LSU, and so he's got to have something on his college resume besides, hey, he was really smart in science. So he says, all right, I, I will join the band. So uh, he decides he's going to play the trombone because he thinks the trombone looks really cool. You know, I mean, back then, you know, the big band of the day, the early 50s. So he's like, hey, I'm just going to play the trombone. So he buys a trombone. And um, he starts to learn it. Um, he goes about learning the notes. He works really, really hard at it. Part of that is 50s work ethic. Um, you know, back then, I, you know, just no room to slouch. You know, you went at it with all you were. So my dad approaches it this way, um, plays the trombone, practices extremely hard, and he just stinks at the trombone. I, he's horrible at the trombone. No matter how hard he tried, he could not produce clear notes, and he just, he just couldn't play it at all. He, he was horrible. And uh, so he stuck with it because, again, you know, this is that 50s work ethic. He sticks with it, and he plays it all four years of high school. All four years, he labors with this thing. You know, it's like wrestling a grizzly bear or an anaconda. He just goes at this thing for four years, and after four years, he only makes third chair. Now, I, I don't know what your, what your knowledge of orchestra and band is. Third chair is a great place to start, 
But after four years, that, that, that's like getting picked last for kickball your entire elementary school career. He just, he, he never gets out of third chair. And so he graduates high school and you know what he does. I mean, you can finish the story for me. As soon as he's done with high school, he takes a trombone, throws it into a closet or the attic and goes, you know what? I am done with music forever. I will never play another instrument in my life. And he never did. A few years later, a family friend came over to visit, and this guy was a great musician, played in a traveling band, and I don't know whether the trombone came up in conversation. Um, I don't know whether the trombone was out and he saw it, but anyway, when he discovered there was a trombone in the house, he was like, oh my gosh, let me play it. So he goes over and he grabs the trombone, and he starts to play it, and as soon as he blows into this thing, he puts it down on the table, walks over to the closet, and I promise you this story is true, walks over to the closet grabs a coat hanger, bends the coat hanger out, opens the spit valve, digs into the spit valve, and he pulled out a golf pencil. Yeah, the O, somebody put it together, a very ancient, swollen, wooden golf pencil. And then he says, now, finally, somebody can play this trombone. And my dad, I wish I could have been there, you know, but before my time, my dad is just indignant. He goes, I can't believe it. I could have been great. I could have been one of the, (laughs) yeah, yeah, especially if you know my dad. I could have been the greatest. My whole musical career was ruined by a stupid golf pencil. When it comes to worship, we're the trombone. That's the point of the story. Every one of us, when it, comes, when it comes to worship with God, we are like that trombone. You know, we're, we're also like nature in the very beginning. We were designed by our creator to be just like nature. We were designed to be in tune with God. Do you realize that? Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, some of your Bibles even use the word. And man, God and man were in harmony with one another. We were in tune in the very beginning. God designed us that way. That, you know, that's why in worship, some of those people aren't even saved and they come into a worship service and they just lean in. Why? That is our nature from the very beginning. So, so this is how we were made. But the problem is today, we have got a swollen wooden golf pencil stuck in our spit valve. We do. I know. Horrible, horrible. That's why we're doing this early before lunch, right? But we, we've, we, every human being on the planet, Genesis 3, we've got a wooden golf pencil stuck in the spit valve, and it's called sin. Sin, y'all, we're born into it. And by the way, it's not Eve's fault. Read Genesis 3 carefully. Yeah, uh, Eve takes the lead, but where is Adam the whole time? He was right there with her, okay? So, men and women, we make this choice, And now we've got a nature, we've got a nature that is corrupted by the fall. This comes with the human package, you know. I know we'd love to be like a new car shopping, you know. I'll take the version without sin, it doesn't come that way. It's standard equipment in the human life after the fall. And that's why we cannot offer up pure worship to God, no matter how hard we try. We have an issue of sin. And y'all, sin brings darkness, the Bible says, it brings death, But sin distorts the music of our lives. It really makes us out of tune with God. And, you know, when you hear the word sin, don't do what so many church people do, religious people do. You know, we we look at the guy next to us and go, yeah, I know he does, you know. Guys, this, this is us, right? I mean, 1 John, this is all of us. And so here we are at this bleak, stark reality, and yet God in his mercy has provided a solution. 
And the solution, you guys, is called forgiveness. And forgiveness is available to us 24-7. But see, here's the truth about forgiveness. Forgiveness only comes one way. There's only one vehicle that brings forgiveness to us. And the vehicle has a name. And the vehicle isn't even a vehicle. The vehicle is a person. And the vehicle who is a person's name is Jesus Christ. Forgiveness comes from Christ, and as the song says, and I know I sing something every week, I vowed I wouldn't do it today, but I'm going to do it anyway. Forgiveness comes from Christ, and it comes from Christ alone. It just does. It does. Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. That's the first time anyone's ever said sing it to me. You may regret that later, but that's all right. But, and, and see, Paul, the Apostle Paul in Romans tells us how we access the forgiveness of God. Jesus Christ, it's very simple. Romans 10, 9 through 10, tells us how to get this. It says, if you declare with your mouth, if you speak, Jesus Christ is Lord. Very, very important step. And, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right on, brother, I'm with you. You will be saved, cleansed, forgiven. For it is with your heart that you believe. Very important. Sometimes it's here. It's got to be here. There's an 18-inch journey that's got to happen. Belief is here. For it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. And that word justified has power. It means vindicated. It means cleansed, rescued, saved, clean, acceptable to God. And just so you know, Paul follows this up with a powerful verse, verse 11, which says, anyone, and anyone means everyone, everyone, anyone who believes in Jesus Christ will never be put to shame. All the sin that we commit, whether we stumbled into it, oh my gosh, I never knew, or whether we knew what it was and we went ahead and did it anyway, all of it is washed clean by Jesus Christ. And y'all, in that moment, We are new. We begin to grow. The light of Jesus begins to expand within us. Life moves from, he he came that they might have life. It moves life to the full. It, It takes that journey. We grow up in Jesus Christ. And the change in time in our lives is remarkable. I can't tell you how many times I sit down in my office and someone will say, well, and you're gonna recognize this and go, he's done this to me, okay? I'm giving away one of my trade secrets. Not copyrighted, you can use this as well. But I sit down with people and, and they're like, man, Steve, I'm just so discouraged. I, I'm just nowhere with God right now. I just, I, I'm not growing, I'm not moving, I'm not becoming in Jesus. And I'll go, well, wait, stop, just for a second. Think back to what you were like when you were saved. Think about the day of your salvation, the moments that preceded you asking Christ into your life. Look at that guy. Remember that guy or girl. Remember them. Now look at yourself. Every time they go, you know, you're right. I have been growing. It might be a slow season in my life, but I've grown. Jesus Christ works. He makes a difference. I'm becoming. I'm changing. I'm growing. Look at me now, right? It's probably a commercial or something, but look at me now. But see, here's something else because I'm not selling ice cubes to Eskimos today. I want to keep it real. Even after we are saved, we fall into sin. We stumble. We tumble. We break our hearts. We do things we know we shouldn't do. Even after Jesus Christ, I don't care what the label says on front, pastor, deacon, elder, 
Sunday school teacher, it doesn't matter, uh, emperor, Mark Santum, it doesn't matter what the label is, you know? We sin, but the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing, Emperor Mark, is this. The forgiveness of Christ is always accessible to the body of Christ, to the children of God. Forgiveness is your gift. Forgiveness now is your birthright. Every time we turn, right, we repent. What is repentance? We turn in the other direction and we run home to the Father. Every time we do, no matter what, we get clean, we get forgiven. Beautiful. We are going to end in communion, not yet, but soon. We're going to take communion together, the Lord's Supper. The Apostle Paul says this to us in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 and 28. Now, I want you to hear this in light of the grace and the mercy of God. We don't always do this in church, and I think we ought to do it every time we do communion, but I'm going to do it today. The Apostle Paul says these words to us, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Now that's serious. So Paul's got a solution for us. He's got a step, and the step is this. So let everyone examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. What I want to invite you to do in this next worship set that I think may be a little shorter, but that's not a hint for you to shorten it, Shiloh, but in this next, next worship set, I want to invite you to examine yourselves. And you might say, well, well, Steve, that sounds kind of, you know, kind of tough to do. I mean, how do we, seriously, no, it's not. A lot of times when we share Christ with Jesus, or Christ with Jesus, we don't do that because he already knows himself. Whenever we share, whenever we share Jesus with people, a lot of times we feel like we need to go out when, when we're dealing with the sinner and tell them what their sin is. Here's my experience when it comes to sharing the gospel and dealing with sin. Sinners already know they're sinners. You know, we, 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 we don't need to be the Holy Spirit. We are aware of our sin. Guys in the room, we are aware of the things we do, the transgressions, the people that, that we hurt in our lives. We, we're aware of all of it. But here is one thing you can do if you're a little clueless on that front today. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to counsel us, to teach us, to guide us into all truth, even the truth of what's ugly, what's broken, what's hurting, what's really wicked, what's really black. I could keep going with negative examples, but that's, that's why the Holy Spirit is here. And so as we worship for these next couple of songs, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, as I take a look at myself, will you join me? Would you look at my heart as well and just turn the spotlight on the dark corners? Just turn the spotlight on things that I am very aware of and things that I'm not aware of. And as you do that, I'm just going to ask God's forgiveness. I mean, the Bible promises if we confess, right? Confess our sin. God's faithful and just. Just confess it and begin to release it like balloons. Just let it go before the Lord and get clean. So we can take this and receive every benefit of it. All right? So join us. And by the way, uh, don't just ask for forgiveness. Go the extra mile and let God forgive you this morning. Sometimes we are the block. Receive God's forgiveness. Now let's come to life in the fullest sense of the word. God, we're so thankful for what we have in nature that, God, we, we have a creation that is in tune with you. And it really does cry out to us to get back in tune with you, Lord, because we are, we're, we're out. Lord, we blow some bad notes with our lives. And I pray that, God, just as we, we lean into forgiveness, I ask you to forgive us 
just forgive us, Lord, for um, just being caught up in the tragedy of our sin and just being so consumed by it and shocked by it. Lord, the tragedy is not that we're sinners. The, the tragedy is that we don't turn to you quicker. We don't run to Jesus. That Sometimes we'll wallow and swim in it. And so, God, I thank you that in this new year, you have come to make us new. You do it every morning for us. You, you New mercies every morning. And so, God, we just rejoice in the newness we have in Jesus Christ. And we just invite you, God, to, to tune our hearts today to sing your praise in Jesus' name. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if y'all will get comfortable for a moment. Um, here we are. We are, we are now at the communion table. And um, I, I may have said this before, but the first part of my Christian life, I, I, I had this longing, this wish, and it seemed kind of silly, but my wish was always that somehow I could go back to the cross and I could go to the tomb of Jesus and, and see it for myself. And it struck me one day when I was serving communion um, in church that this, this is how we go back. I mean, this, this is how we encounter the cross and the, the empty tomb most clearly is through communion. Every time we take it, we do this. And so that, that's what communion is for us. It is a visible reminder of how Jesus Christ accomplished salvation for us. Um, Jesus was executed like a common criminal. We, we will never get away from that fact, no matter how we water it down or how far away we get. Jesus was executed like a common criminal because someone had to die for sin. And so Jesus on the cross, he took our place. And that's what we have with the bread and the cup. Um, the, the, the bread reminds us that his body was broken instead of our body. And the cup reminds us that his blood flowed. It didn't trickle. His blood flowed. And the, the shedding of his blood is what cleanses everyone who believes, everyone who calls upon his name. And so what communion does is it, it reminds us of this fact in history and also the spiritual significance. But we also don't want to miss the fact that Jesus Christ, after he hung on the cross, he was dead, um, buried. And, and he, was, uh, he was dead for how long? Three days. And there's actually a reason why it was three days and not two or not one. And it's because at the time there was Jewish superstition, it may still exist, that after two days, a body, a, a soul could not return to a body. So God, just being really classy and just being real big and just saying, let me make sure you always remember who is behind this resurrection. God waited that third day to do the impossible, the impossible, impossible and raise Jesus Christ from the dead. And so Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and everyone who calls on his name, we have forgiveness and we have life. This again is your gift. And, and I just encourage you once again, don't do this, okay? As you come to the table, don't come with something kind of stuck like, well, it applies to everybody but me or Jesus covered all my sins but the big one. All sin in the eyes of God is the same. Jesus died for all of it. And so as we come to this table, having asked forgiveness, we need to get over our sin because God got over it. He provided a way. So I, I just encourage you today to take this with your, your whole heart. Um, would those of you who are gonna serve us communion please come forward at this time? 
and we're all preparing to just take communion as you come. And without Pastor Neil, I'll need one of you guys to man the table and pass out elements as well. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. As our brothers come and we uncover this, I want to read you a passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 11, and this precedes Paul's warning about not taking uh, the table lightly, the elements in an unworthy way. Paul re, uh, says this to us in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 20 through 26. He says, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had prayed and given thanks to God, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. Do this as well in remembrance of me. For whenever you church do this, whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And that's what we're doing through communion today. We are reminded of the price that was paid, but we're also celebrating that that death gave us life. So, brothers, we'll give this all to you. I ask you to pass this out. This is the body and the blood of Christ for the children of God, who are not only children, they are saints because of Jesus Christ. I'm going to exercise executive privilege and uh, I'm going to take a big piece of bread because I'm really grateful today. So listen, with this bread and this cup in your hands, I just want to invite you to pray with me. Father, we recognize that these elements were produced by human beings. And so at this moment, they are common, ordinary, and normal. So God, we do what Jesus did, and on the night that he was betrayed, we offer thanks for these elements, your body and your blood. Father, we ask you now to take them and Lord, to, to just put them to divine use in our lives. And I thank you for the body of Christ that was broken for us, that nourishes now the body uh, of your people, the bodies of your people. We thank you, Lord, for this cup. And God, for the cleansing that it represents in our lives. Jesus, now we set apart the bread and the juice and we take it together in Jesus' name. Eat and drink, if you will. And Father, as we take this, we are so grateful. We receive all that you are. And we bless your holy name. Thank you, God, for your incredible goodness to us. We love you and we are so grateful for a place to return, to just experience renewal in Jesus' name. Thank you for this table in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.